Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Alex Bridgman and this is Think Like an Owner. This show is an exploration on acquiring, operating, and growing small companies through conversations with business owners and private investors. You can learn more and stay up to date on this podcast, our weekly newsletter, and print publication, The Operator's Handbook at alexbridgman.com. And follow me on Twitter at AEBridgman. And if you like the show, please leave a review and tell a friend to help more folks find Think Like an Owner. I'm very excited to share that starting today, Think Like an Owner will now be publishing episodes twice per week. This change coincides with our decision to close the operator's handbook and move those topic-specific conversations to the podcast for our Thursday morning episodes. You can expect these episodes to focus on topics like sales, culture, hiring, debt, capital allocation, leadership, board meetings, and dozens of other topics. This is an addition I've wanted to make for a long time, and I finally feel like the podcast is ready to go to this next level towards our endless pursuit of better in small business. The second episode also means we have more availability to partner with great companies serving operators and investors through podcast sponsorships. If you're interested, please send me an email at alex at jointheoperator.com or connect with me on Twitter or our website, alexbridgman.com. I'd love to chat. Kicking off our new topic-specific episodes is Jessica Markowitz, COO at Paragon Legal. Paragon offers outsourced legal services to corporate legal departments and was acquired by Jessica and her partner, Trista Engel, in 2018. Our conversation covers all things culture, including defining culture, maintaining and enforcing culture, and how to build culture in a remote-first company. Enjoy. Today's sponsor Q&A is with More Staffing, a recruiting firm to help find the most talented and experienced professionals in the Philippines to level up your business. Co-founder Greg Carey is joining me today. What kinds of roles does More Staffing hire for? Yeah, we actually go pretty broad in our search. Our specific kind of area of focus is finding senior talent. That is our differentiator. It's, it's our underlying kind of philosophy that we feel that we can really help companies upskill their, their, their talent and their competency by leveraging offshore senior talent rather than kind of junior assistants. You know, putting that into practice, we've staffed everything from supply chain managers, head of operations, design managers, customer service managers, managers of forecast and analysts, controllers, CFOs. And so we, we keep it quite broad and just focus on seniority. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. To learn more about more staffing, check out their website at morenow.co and get in touch to see how they can help level up your business with a great team. I also want to thank our other sponsors, Live Oak Bank, Hood & Strong, Oberly Risk Strategies, and Oakborn Advisors for supporting the show. And now to the episode. I think a good place to start would be walking through a little bit of what Paragon Legal does and then maybe how you would describe the like definitions around culture and how you kind of brought them into Paragon. It's kind of a big question, but like kind of walking through the, the business a little bit would be, would be helpful, I think. So Paragon Legal is corporate counsel on demand. We support large in-house legal departments with their human capital needs, helping with short and long-term engagements for highly experienced and qualified attorneys. So culture, hear that word a bunch. and, And I think it's hard to define and maybe part of that is because everyone can kind of have their own definition one and two it's kind of a feeling which sounds so hokey but for for me and for for paragon 
culture really starts at values and really is about what behavior do you celebrate and what behavior do you not allow? And so when that really is closed with values, kind of what are the rules you play with and things kind of build off of that. If you are a culture that, you know, is really about individual contribution and then you are going to have behaviors across your company that celebrate individual contribution. If you are a culture and, and that stems from your values. In my mind, there's not a solid definition for something that is so opaque, but it really comes down to the behaviors within an organization and what you try to maximize and what you try to minimize. And that's kind of how I think about it. And I think it's really intertwined with the values of the organization as well. Yeah, maybe let's dive into values a little bit. What would you say are, first off, what are your values at Paragon? But then I think an interesting discussion would be like, what values do you view as perhaps incomplete values where they don't fully describe maybe like the aim of that value? And then what are maybe more complete values that you've seen either just within your own brainstorming on values and then what you've seen from other CEOs? Yeah, so I can start with what are Paragon's values and we, we came into an organization, we came into Paragon. It's been a business for over 16 years that had strong values. They were kind of, again, like culture felt, but not articulated and not put down on paper. And we spent a lot of time doing that to say exactly what this feeling of values that we all hold really strongly are and wrote them down and made sure as an organization, we could all say what they are. So our values are do what's right, even when it's hard. That's a lot about acting with integrity and thinking about the long term. Seek to understand and grow. Just constantly be curious, ask questions, be open to being wrong and being okay with that, being open to make mistakes and try new things, and being open to meet new people who come from different backgrounds and have different beliefs and do that with an open mind, stand behind our work and our word. That's we are a business as like any other business that we need to be reliable and accountable to one another and be proud of what we put into the world. When together we're a team and we celebrate wins as a team. Sometimes that means you are have a starring role. Sometimes that means you have a support role, but each piece of the puzzle is required to make, you know, achieve that ultimate goal. And the last one is put people first. People are everything. People are individuals. We need to treat them as such. There's, this is not numbers on a page and we need to always keep that front of mind for us to be successful as an organization. So those are our values. We live them and breathe them every day. I would say, I'm not sure if everyone on our team can recite them word for word, but everyone on our team can go through all of them kind of thematically and know what they are. We also, on a monthly basis, shout out values in action 
So we have a monthly team meeting and everyone goes around and shares a time where they saw one of these five values in the day-to-day. That's intentional. And because we, we believe Trista and myself, we both run Paragon that this is essential to achieving great things. And then do you want to dive into a little bit of maybe incomplete values that you've seen others have either in companies you've studied or, or peers of yours running other businesses? Yeah, I don't, you know, I think everyone's on the incomplete values. I don't think paragons are right and everyone else's are wrong. And so where I would say incomplete values where I would see it. And I think at the beginning, Paragon, you know, we've evolved to get to this place of where we live and breathe our values and, and make decisions by them. The incomplete values is when it's not what they are, but how they're enacted. So values on a piece of paper and values not in action are incomplete values in my mind. If you make decisions to run your business or who you hire or who you want to retain that type of person that is not in line with your values, then those are incomplete values. But I'm, I'm in no position to, to sit here and say another company has incomplete values if that's what they want to be. But I will say that's, that's where they're incomplete. If they're a piece of paper with nothing behind them and they're not driving the rules you play by, that's a disconnect in, in my mind. Yeah, I didn't mean to say that anyone had worse values or incomplete values versus you. Just more of is there were there values that you've seen where the spirit isn't fully captured? I think your I think your phrasing was better. Like an incomplete value is one that isn't lived out in the company. Is there one that you've seen maybe most difficult? Like one value of yours that has been most difficult to see lived out? Yeah, I think our most I don't want to rank our values, but it's really important for us to do what's right. Even when it's hard, who gets to decide what's right and how do you make decisions on right? And we talk, you know, when we we interview people, one of my questions I always ask is kind of walk me through your, I ask you to kind of make the right decision, walk me through that framework of what's right for you. And for us, you know, there's always a judgment call and there's always information that we could have had and didn't have and should have had, but because time is always of the essence and all decision-making. So that's hard, but it comes with building, you know, living these actions, repeating to see how you as a company make a right decision. What factors do you prioritize versus what factors do you deprioritize? And so I feel confident after four years that we are making the right decision for Paragon because we prioritize our stakeholders, we prioritize the long-term, and we prioritize putting people first, kind of the combination of a handful of different values. But there's always, you can look back and say, was that really right? Because I have more information now. You can question it, but... So that's hard. I think that's hard for anyone. That's not a unique Paragon problem. It's a business. You make decisions with imperfect information and you you learn. Yeah, certainly. On the learning piece and 
I bet value, I mean, values aren't static. Like there, there's constant tweaks and iterations that you make over time. What, what are some of the most recent tweaks or adjustments you've made to your values based on perhaps maybe more perfect information today than you had previously? Yeah, I would say our values are our values and they're not going to change. You can come back to me in two years and uh, and hopefully we can chat about whether that's true or not. But these, no matter whether we enter a new service, whether we enter a new geography, whether we totally change what Paragon does, and I'm not suggesting we're doing any of that, the rules we play by and the behavior that we accept as an organization and how we win won't change. This is kind of who we are as people. And so when we think about our values, they are characteristics of a person. They are not things outside of that. So someone who really strives to do what's right, even when it's hard, someone who really strives to win together, someone who stands, you know, stands behind their work and their word, all of those things, those are descriptors of a human. And those are the characteristics we look for when we bring someone onto the team. And so no matter what Paragon does, this is just kind of the combination of those five things or who we are. And I just don't see those changing. Yeah, I think values in an onboarding context are pretty interesting. I'd be curious what your onboarding process looks like and how you get a sense for, does this person live our values and you know follow them and believe in them or are they not going to be a good fit? How do you kind of suss that out during interviewing and then onboarding? We This is kind of an evolution, but we have a really robust interviewing and then onboarding and, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, but it's been really, really powerful since we, we did it. But we, we ask value questions within our interviewing process to try to understand how the person thinks we are very open with what our values are and who, who we are. And so when I get involved in interviewing and Trista and her role gets involved with interviewing, we really focus on the values portion of that. So we have, you know, five to 10 questions that we'll ask throughout the interview process that are solely around values alignment. And when we think about cultural fit for an organization like ours or for any, that's it. It's values alignment. It's not activities or interest-based or vibe, which I don't know how to describe either, but that's what, what we're talking about. So then that's within the interview and we know not what the right answer is, but we've discussed what a good answer looks like. And it's really around the, the thought process of how to make decisions and how you live and learn by those decisions. And then with the onboarding process, we, Trista and I, with every new um, person on our corporate team, we go, we have an hour long conversation from the horse's mouth. These are our values. This is what it means to us. And these are really important. So they'll hear it from us. They'll hear it from their direct manager. They'll hear it in our monthly meetings when we do our values and actions. And then recently, and I think maybe, you know, eight or nine or eight or nine folks, part of their onboarding is to bring examples 
that they've seen of values in action from their first couple weeks to their manager and discuss them. And then we also, and we make this clear to not just new folks on the team, but with all of our employees, we've now switched to part of the performance management that we have and is alignment to our values. So a portion, you know, we put our money where our, our mouth is that people are going to be rewarded and based on living the values. So it's, I feel like when I'm talking out loud, it's like everything we do is this it's, we do other things too, but this is our values are ingrained within almost every aspect of our business. During the interview process and then the evaluation or performance, you know, reviews that are, that happen periodically, do you have some way to quantify that person's alignment with values or is it, or is it still kind of a a more squishy thing to evaluate? Yeah. I, I wish I could quantify everything that would make my life way easier. So it's qualitative, but we all at the leadership level and trusted me at the executive level know what good or aligned looks like. And we know high level, what non-alignment looks like that's both in the interview process of kind of when we go through and we've discussed kind of what is it, what are we looking for when we ask this question values wise, but I don't think there's with anything with people there's for these things that are squishy, that are hard to define. It's just really, you know, you can't put a, I can't find a way to put a number to it, but if you find a way to put a number to it, please give me a call. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if someone's figured that out. You mentioned that in your monthly team meetings, you go around the room and share different examples of people living out their values or these values in their, in their work. What are some other ways that you maintain these values and constantly communicate them to your team? Yeah. So we have kind of team weekly team meetings, depending on what group you're in and we use an agenda on the agenda, the values are listed there. So people can, you know, if they forget the words, they're, you know, usually shared on the screen during the meeting. We, you know, through emails that we'll exchange, whether it's on a client issue or an attorney, an attorney issue, or just an HR policy, we'll see we'll see people use, you know, Hey, this is the right thing, even though it's hard, or I'm seeking to understand and grow around this. As I say this out loud, it seems crazy, but you'll see it kind of peppered with within people's decision-making. This is something we have to do to put our, you know, put our people first. There's, so it's, it's not, it, it can't be something that Tristan and I alone enforce. And it has to be something that takes kind of a a life of its own. Everyone has to actually, you know, be a part of, be a part of it. And that's what we see happening. We're a part of that just the same as everyone else. And we, but we don't alone drive it. Have there been any particular challenges with enforcing values, either a type of value or enforcing values with certain like folks in your team or certain you know, departments or something like that, where, where have challenges arisen? Yeah, I think one, when we were a little bit earlier in our, our Paragon journey, we didn't have our values 
really articulated well and we weren't really vetting for this in our hiring process. And so you learn really quickly when someone's not in a value alignment, even though you don't know exactly what that means. And it takes a while to figure that out. So I think we've learned a lesson there pretty, you know, going through it that you need to bring on the right people from the beginning. And I think also, you know, we, we are a business that has changed dramatically. We bought a business with four people on the corporate team supporting uh, 50 or 60 attorneys where we now have 19 people on the corporate team. So we, every time, you know, and we've changed, we used to be driven by a Google doc. Now we have systems. We have, we've moved from an institutionalized business to a process driven business, which I think a lot of search fund type businesses or ETA, they go through that, that evolution. And so with change of an organization and then add on whatever chaos has happened in the world, people have a lot, a lot going on. There's a lot on their minds. Changing an organization in the best of times is challenging. Changing an organization in what feels like to me the most chaotic times. And so it's it takes significant methodical effort to make sure that frustrations or challenges people are facing are kind of worked. And it's easy to maybe when things are really tough to kind of forget what's most important. I think we've also, as we've transitioned to a remote organization and have a lot of communications over, you know, messaging intent can get misconstrued or lost. And so making sure and working on that communication and bringing people together and having the understanding that people are when things are communicated fast over email or, or Slack that people have the best intent and not assume the worst has been something we've had to, to work on. I think we've done a great job at, but those challenges when there are th- so many things coming at you and we're in a new environment, we're working in a different way. They can make the values feel secondary and reminding people that, those actually need to come first to solve these, these growing pains, these working pains, these, you know, I can't solve anything happening outside of Paragon in the world, but we can at least make it fun and enjoyable to while you're kind of within the working day. I'd be, I'd be curious to hear a little bit more about running a culture through a remote workforce, especially if, especially in regards to more junior employees where maybe they haven't had many roles before they're just graduating college or in your case, law school, be curious what, what kinds of challenges do they run into? And then how does that apply to kind of your broader uh, organization? Yeah. We, again, like everything, it's been an evolution. It's been over two years, two and a half years since we've been essentially fully remote. We do have an office in San Francisco, but for the most part, we've taken advantage of the remote environment to hire the best people, no matter where they live. So we have half, if not more than half of our corporate team outside of the Bay area now, 
And so we are committed to the long-term remote nature of, of Paragon. So with that, it's been an exciting challenge to solve for us. It's really working and we have brought on, I think most of the folks we brought on have been, have been more junior. So figuring out how to get them up to speed, how to get them trained, how to how to have them feel like they're a part of a company. We've had to be really intentional with that. So we don't do anything kind of special or different for junior folks versus more senior folks in terms of the onboarding. But what we do do is the onboarding is really slow. And I've heard new people at our company say, you know, I can do more. And I say, you know, just be patient with it. Please enjoy these, you know, these first couple months where you are, your job is to learn. And we have a really detailed, robust onboarding plan. So it's not ad hoc. You come in and your first two weeks for the most part are very highly scheduled. Part of that schedule is getting to know people and carving out time to learn what they do, how their organization, how their portion of the organization comes together and where they're going to fit in. So they're onboarding at Paragon and I would expect a lot of other places is a big lift for the existing team and also for the, the new person, junior or not. The other thing we have started to do, well, I don't know, started, we've been doing it for about two years is we have a meeting every Monday and a meeting every Friday. These are, we bring all 19, 20 of us together on the corporate team. There's no point to this meeting that is business related except to spend time with one another. So it's going to sound super cheesy, but on Monday mornings, we kick off the week with just gratitude Mondays. Everyone goes around the horn and just shares what they're grateful for. It could be little things, be huge things, but start off, start off the week, just sharing something that you're, you're thankful for with the team on Fridays. We kind of do a round Robin. We've been doing this for two and a half years and we have not run out of questions of what we call Friday fun facts, where one person on the team poses a question to everyone else. And we go around the horn and people share that takes about 40, 45 minutes questions like what was your first job, favorite vacation all the way to, you know, what are you most proud of? Talk about a time you feel like you've been very brave, all of the things, whatever people want to bring. If people aren't comfortable, they are more than welcome to opt out on a question. But what that space, that space on Monday and that space on Friday has really allowed people to do is connect on things that are not work related, but have had extreme work benefits because of the level of trust people build with each other. It then creates kind of fodder for conversations within Slack or, or otherwise that people just can connect on. And then we just recently launched kind of an automated tool that schedules 15 minute kind of one-on-one coffee chats. Just, it's really easy. It's kind of just through Slack. It's like, it pairs you up with someone in a way you can go just to connect with people. So those tools, the transparency we have across the organization, the values that we 
live and breathe have been really great to build trust, to build community, to build friendships and to get things done as a business. I get the question during interviews or even during people's first week of how am I gonna, you know, I'm sitting here alone in this, my home office or my bedroom or wherever, you know, how am I going to get to know people? And when I ask people and I ask people far too often on our team, kind of what was the most unexpected thing about joining Paragon versus what you thought you were getting into. And a lot of times the answer is around, I didn't realize how I feel so connected to a team. Some people on our team haven't met anyone in person. And so that always makes me really grateful, but not without a lot of effort, a lot of intentionality and just dedication from the team to care about one another in a way where it really builds trust. That being said, you know, we are constantly improving, constantly getting better, constantly tweaking. Not every day is, is a great day, but I think we are moving in the right direction. Yeah. What what sorts of things are you considering adding or considering changing right now? With respect to just the way that your team communicates or different tools that you might add to, you know, increase trust or get that trust going faster, perhaps. What are what are like the the ideas you're kind of weighing right now? Yeah, the the most ideal of those would be to be able to kind of have in-person cadence, whether that's by team or com- or corporate wide. I I think that's the link that will make will bring it to that next level. We did our first kind of corporate retreat in May meeting. I met so many people for the first time that I hadn't met in person. That was the first one for over two years because of because of everything. And I think that's a piece of how do we what's the cadence, what's, and what do we do when we bring people together? How do we do it? So that, that is the the missing link that I think will add a lot of, a lot of benefits. Yeah, certainly. We talked a little bit about enforcing values, but how does your process work for if someone continually doesn't fit values and you need to find them a, a new place for them to work? Like what, what does that look like for how does that evaluation go? And then when do you kind of make the decision to let them go? So I am knocking on all of the wood that exists in the universe right now, but we fortunately have not been put in a position that since we've articulated and really embraced living by our values over the last couple of years, we have not been put in that situation, but part of the evaluation within the performance management as we've set everyone kind of, there's a bar of how to, you know, of living the values and what we will accept and what we won't. So we view it as like any portion of the job. If you're not doing X, Y, or Z, you know, tactically or well, or you're not whatever it may be, we view it the same way. So it's no different if someone is tactically not, not performing versus values, not performing in my mind, you would do the the same process, warning conversation, helping, supporting them get there. And then 
figuring out what the next steps are from there. But we've been really lucky. And again, knocking on the wood. Yeah, certainly. It's pretty interesting that the implementing values and having them consistently communicated could act as a almost an error reduction factor for hiring and growing your team. Are there, what are some other benefits you've seen with focusing so much on culture and articulating your values more consistently? Builds trust across team. Super important when things are changing and you're driving, you're trying to drive change. I think the coolest thing I've seen is people getting comfortable having a voice at the table and being able to have opinions that may differ than others. So I think, you know, when Trist and I got here, people would look to us and, and nod in agreement like that and probably be thinking that terrible idea is so terrible, but I'm going to nod because that's what I'm supposed to do. We don't have a company like that anymore. And, you know, there's still work to do, but we openly disagree with one another to come up with the best ideas. And the reason we're able to do that is because we are all aligned on the values and then we do it with respect. And so the ideas that have come up from senior people on our team to junior people on our team, being able to, to have, you know, bring those to light has been really cool. It's really awesome to see someone who a year or two ago would sit in a meeting pretty quiet now speaking openly about things where they're disagreeing with their manager in a respectful way to get to a better place. And that's changed our organization. But to think that Trista and I or our senior leadership team have the best ideas better than those people who are doing kind of on the ground floor is not it. So looping those folks in, giving them space to share has, has been awesome. Have you found that there's any way to accelerate that process for someone coming into the, who's either new to the industry or just new to your company and accelerate their process of that, of that trust so that they can share what they really think in meetings and with their, their managers or, or is that something that just takes time and there's really, it's really hard to accelerate that at all? Everyone's different. You don't know what baggage someone may be coming into your organization with and what cultures they've been a part of. I think for us, what has been helpful is modeling the behavior, celebrating when someone disagrees, celebrating when you're implementing someone's idea who is not a senior person, all of those things to say, these are not just words we're saying, these are things we're doing. And so when you can show the actions and show them repeatedly over time, at some point it's going to click and say, Oh, this is real. I'm not going to get, you know, penalized or I'm shamed or embarrassed by this new idea. But I don't think, you know, with trust or, or anything, you can say, you know, we have a goal to hit trust in one month because you never really get there. You're always evolving and learning more about one another. And, and so I think what you can do as a leader of an organization or manager, or even an employee that's welcoming someone new into your team is consist be consistent on the behavior that you want the team to display and act in a way that you want them to act and people 
we'll see that that's the way it is. That's pretty amazing. There was a talk that I listened to that Richard Reese was giving. And he talked about how consistency was a really key characteristic for a leader. Like you can be really nice or you can be a jerk or you can be Bobby Knight, but like you need to be consistent and predictable for your team. That was pretty interesting to hear. Yeah. And I think that's challenging in any organization, but it's challenging as you're trying to drive change and, and being in the leadership seat And for a lot of us to kind of do the ETA path where you're an individual contributor and you're driving the change yourself, crunching numbers until all hours of the morning or defining processes, all of those things, it's solely within your control pre this life, pre having a a team, pre being responsible for for the, the success of everyone on it. And so I think part of the evolution, at least I'm speaking for myself, there is just, and where you could potentially be inconsistent is just that transformation of giving away control. And so that's just been a learning evolution for me because that's scary when you care so much about everything and everyone, and you want it to be perfect and you're betting your, your whole professional career on something that fear can spur inconsistency and you have to manage that. And I haven't been perfect at that and something I'm conscious of and and working on. And, but that's kind of the, that's the challenge, right? Yeah. Do you feel, do you view the act of building a strong culture that you trust and believe in and allows you to trust your team? I I would imagine that makes it a, a lot easier for you and the rest of your team to hand off tasks that eventually need to be delegated to others. Um, like where you're doing a lot of work, maybe early in your, uh, your time at Paragon and over time you delegate certain tasks has, has building a strong culture made that easier for you? I don't know if that's tied to culture or tied to just growing the team and growing the business and needing specialized folks for different things when you're a smaller company. And I think back, you know, when we were five, six, seven, eight people on the corporate team, you kind of do a little bit of everything because there's, you don't have a place for some, it's not a full-time job to do X and it's not yet a full-time job to do Y. And so part of that growth evolution is okay. Now X is a full-time job and I'm going to hire someone great to do that. And now Y is a full-time job and that comes off my plate and I'm going to hire someone to do that. So I think that more comes with growth rather than, than culture in my mind. But I, I also on that, as I'm kind of talking out loud, it's been part of training our managers who have been, you know, individual contributors and giving them the support to let go because like me, they can struggle with the, you're not doing it the way I wanted it to be done and the, how I wanted it to be done and the, speed I want it to be done and letting people, you know, giving them the freedom to let go. That's kind of the culture component, but the delegation itself comes to, I think with just scale and, and business need. So obviously no culture is perfect. Where do you feel like Paragon is like, where, where do you feel like you're focused on improving right now in regards to culture? Yeah, I think we've made huge, huge, huge headways. I think that's the word, right? Um, but I think we can always improve on building trust. 
you know, and I've think, been thinking a, a lot about that over the last, you know, six months, not because I'm not proud of where we are, but what is it going to take to get us to that next level? I think just requires that next level of trust. But looking at my team, looking at what we've built over the last four years, looking at how I've evolved as a leader and a manager over the last six years doing kind of the ETA path, I'm really proud of where we are. So if, if you were to tell me, you know, this is it, there's no more progress you can make as an organization, I'd be okay with that. But there's still more we can do and that's not, you know, we don't have that constraint. So why, why not continue to make it better? Yeah, certainly. What do you feel like that next step is in improvement that you're striving towards? Yeah, I think the industry, our little niche of the world is transforming really fast in terms of kind of a adoption of different technologies and different services and different ways to solve a problem that Paragon solved. And I think a lot of that accelerated by COVID and this the pandemic and the move to remote and their focus on budgets and the focus on efficiencies. And so with that, I think comes a level of speed at which an organization needs to move. And in order to move faster, you need to be willing to make mistakes and make decisions with imperfect information. And that requires that next level of trust and belief that it's really okay. And we're going to be able to do things significantly different. I think for, for Paragon in particular, what we've done over the last four years, which I am extremely proud of is built the foundational building blocks of a business where they did not exist. So we built out a really robust recruiting team. Again, we had four people on the corporate team. We now have 20. So build out a really robust recruiting team, build out an account management team, implement systems. So when I go to sleep, I'm not worried that the business is going to disappear into the ether because I don't know where all my things are. Implement systems, really invest in, in, and we're still working on this now in business development and marketing and really build the foundation of the business that didn't exist before. I'm really proud of the work we've done. And then the next step is, okay, we have those, those tools. Now, where do we go with it? Strategically, we can now do things different than how we've done them for 16 years because we've taken the time to build the foundational base, if that makes sense. Yeah, certainly. My, my first closing question is on a strong held belief you changed your mind on. I'd be curious if there's any in regards to culture or values that you've changed on. Yeah, the biggest thing is remote work. I remember sitting in a board meeting early on talking about, you know, hiring someone, you know, we have, we're having trouble to fill a role in the, and we wanted someone in the Bay area and it was just it's really competitive. We wanted someone to come into the office and our board had suggested hiring someone remote. And I sat there and I was like, absolutely not. I could never, I would never. And now I, I can't imagine being full-time in an office and 
can't imagine going back to that. And so that is kind of totally different than what I would have ever, what I believed before. I like that one. That's a good one. What's the best business you've ever seen? Yeah. I know you posed this question and I thought a ton about it and I don't know if you're going to love the answer, but I think it depends. And what I mean by that is there's a best business for a person. So, and I kind of took this through the lens of kind of what businesses did I see going through my search journey and what business would be great for me, maybe a nightmare for someone else. So there's an element of what are your skill sets? What excites you? What do you want to, what part of your job do you want to maximize? All of those things are important. So all to say, there's no perfect business. You know, if you go through a framework of recurring revenue and high margins and all those things, yeah, those are nice, but this whole journey, anything like this, it's just very personal. So long answer longer. What's the perfect business for you? It all depends. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. So the, yeah, the, I love asking the question because everyone has a different reason for why they think a business is the best. Some folks love businesses that have good customer service or they have ones that are really efficient or they have some people talk about the finances or their business model is really good, but everyone has their own reason for liking a business. And it's, it's just kind of fun to hear how folks admire businesses and from what lens they admire them. So the, it depends is absolutely valid and is true everywhere. Yeah. I wish I could tell you the perfect business. And I mean, maybe it's Paragon. I think if I'm thinking through that lens of what is most important, I, I culture is everything we have a strong one. So that's important to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing about culture and values. It's been always, it's been really fun chatting about it. And I'm excited to hear that the next step for Paragon, what that looks like and, and get to have you on again and talk, and talk more about it. So thanks for sharing. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review and telling a friend to help more folks find Think Like an Owner. I also want to thank our show's sponsors, Live Oak Bank, Put In Strong, Overly Risk Strategies, more staffing, and Oakborn Advisors for their support. For full episode transcripts and more information, please visit our website at alexbridgman.com slash podcast.